Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. This is The Mixed Experience, and I'm your host, Heidi Durow. This is a weekly podcast that usually comes at you live on Mondays, but today is October 19th, Wednesday, 2016, and we have two really fantastic mixed chicks that you are going to be so excited to know more about their work and who they are and their energy and all of the positive information that they have to share with you. But before I get to their story and to talk to them, I have a couple of quick announcements. For those of you who listen to the podcast, forgive me, but there is this thing that I do that is my labor of love. It's called the Mixed Remix Festival. We're celebrating our fourth year next year. It'll be June 10th, 2017 in Los Angeles. And go to the website to learn a little bit more about what we're doing, www.mixedremix.org. It's a really fantastic experience, and it's even better when we get real people like you involved. So we're looking for submissions for films, for performers, for writers, for bloggers, for vloggers, for people of all stripes and polka dots to be involved. So head on over to the website, and if you are interested, fill out the submission uh, entry form that we have there. We'd love to know more about your work to see if maybe you could speak at the festival, which would be really great. So there's that. I'm also teaching a writing workshop at Jurassic, which is a really fantastic writing retreat, artist retreat in Northern California, and it's happening in February, but the applications are coming due soon. So go on over to my website, HeidiWDuro.com, and get the information. It's very well suited for people who are writing a first novel especially if you're writing about mixedness or social justice or any kind of literary fiction. I taught this in 2014, uh, so two years ago, and now two of the workshop participants, so almost half of them actually, will have books published this year, which I find really exciting. I'm not saying it had everything to do with me, but I'll, I'll take a little bit of that credit. So head over to my website and get that information. Okay, so enough of that because... I want to talk to these two really fantastic mixed chicks who just blow my mind. And if I could grow up to be just like them, that would be awesome. I, I'm talking about the co-founders of Shine Text. Shine is a daily text experience that helps you be your best self at work and in life. So every morning, Shine sends you actionable tips and content around confidence, daily happiness, mental health, or productivity. And now it's available via Facebook Messenger as well. Two women are behind this, two fabulous mixed chicks. It's Mara Lighty. She's one of the co-founders, and she loves helping people. And her expertise lies at the intersection of millennials and messaging. She previously directed mobile for brands like DoSomething.org, American Express, and Viacom. She has a BA in journalism from the University of Georgia and currently lives in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> she is one of the top 35 people to watch in New York City tech by Built in New York City. 
She also adds actively advocates for increasing racial and socioeconomic diversity in technology and entrepreneurship. We also have co-founder Naomi Hirabayashi. She is uh, also a, a DoSomething.org alumni, which is the largest organization for young people for social action in the world. Naomi was named also one of the top 35 people to watch in New York City Tech by Built in New York. She lives in Brooklyn, too with her fiance. <laughs> These are different mixed chicks, by the way. They're just fabulous in a lot of the same ways. Uh, thank goodness they are because it brought them together and it brought them to our show today. I'm super excited to welcome Mara and Naomi to the show. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Those were just fantastic over the moon uh, <laughs> introductions. And, and we're obviously such huge fans of the yeah. work you do and, and your incredible book. So we're really, really excited to be talking to your audience tonight. Well, thank you. Well, so you guys, I have to hit you up with the first question that I always ask the guests, and you can decide who answers first, and you can copy each other too. Uh, but the question is, that old familiar one, uh, what are you? Ooh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, what are you? I haven't heard that one before. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Mara, you go first. I, I love the answer. Well, I'm a human. Um, no, I think for me, whenever I'm asked what am I, I typically say mixed and then, you know, anticipate the, the questions of my mother and father coming after that. Um, but that's always been, not always, but I think something that has come to be very important to me um, to claim that as how I identify as a multicultural, multiracial person. Yeah. Um, in true mixed uh, like celebration, I always say Hapa, um, and, I, and I quickly go into percentages. I say, well, I'm, I'm half or 50% um, Japanese. Uh, my father's Japanese, and then um, my other half is I often say miscellaneous Caucasian, um, which is my mother, because <laughs> no one seems as curious about you know just the white side. Um, so <laughs> they're like, no, but like, what are you? What are you? Um, so yeah, I. I uh, I have to say miscellaneous Caucasian, that is the first time I've heard that. I think you should trademark it, hashtag it. I love it. It's great. Uh, (laughs) Well, so I'm wondering, um, you're both mixed chicks who are now living in Brooklyn, New York. Was there a time when you didn't actually identify yourselves in that way? Uh, Where did you grow up and when did you embrace your mixedness? If you, you know, unless there was never a time that you didn't. Oh, I love that question. Um, yes, I've, I've been in New York for over 10 years, and I grew up in Fairfax City, which is about 20 miles outside of Washington, D.C. Um, I think I'm really, really lucky that I grew up in um, a very diverse area. You know, being right outside of D.C., it's, you know, a place of, you know, so many different cultures and backgrounds, and obviously Brooklyn and New York is um, <laughs> that, you know, and, and then some, which is amazing. But I did grow up in a pretty traditional, like, suburban neighborhood. And while it was diverse racially, um, I think I didn't quite understand or have a vocabulary around certain things that I felt, like, from being five and being really excited when my friend gave me a Hawaiian Barbie because it actually looked like me, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, um, 
like having to answer questions that not everyone else got asked. Um, so I definitely feel like as I've grown up and become more aware of, you know, what it be, means to be a person of color and the power of media and um, just a, a lot more about the world around me, it's been cool to own something that growing up I didn't quite understand except for I felt different at times, not different bad, but definitely different. Um, and I think, I think um, in high school, I would probably, I would say, I would describe myself in the same way, like, oh, I'm, you know, half Japanese, half white. Um, but definitely person of color is something that's been a more recent revelation, um, which I think has been really, really personally powerful um, for me. Naomi, I'm wondering, as you grew up, did you get any information about how to talk about mixedness when you were growing up? I mean, what were the conversations, yeah. if any, from your parents or, or maybe with your siblings um, yeah. or in school about it? Yeah, I think the, the most powerful way we talked about it was through humor. Um, my dad has one of the best sense of humor, like, ever, and he always jokes, like, oh, yeah, maybe we know them because we're, we're, you know, we're all, we're all the same, right, like, kind of mocking how um, the pan-Asian identity of America and how white people usually view it. Um, but I think my experience was interesting in that I'm third generation. And so, you know, my, my grandparents were, and you know this, Heidi, from the West Coast, but the East Coast culture is much more like first generation um, for a lot of Asian Americans. And so people would always um, ask me, like, so do you speak Japanese? And I felt kind of embarrassed that I don't. But I, if you're third generation Swedish, people don't instantly ask you if you speak Swedish, probably. Um, <laughs> So I think, you know, we, we, it was more kind of through humor and my dad talking about some of the experience that he had as being the only Asian guy in his high school in Fairfax, Virginia in the 70s other than his brother. Um, but we didn't talk about it a ton. And I, I, don't, I don't know, like, maybe why, but just more that, you know, I think being third generation, there's a, a, a deeper sense of assimilation. Um, but I think what we got a lot of siblings was you all look so much alike because <laughs> because we're, we're all like, we are related. Um, and because um, being mixed, I think with, you know, I'm 33 being mixed and like in the eighties and nineties just felt much more like rare and different. And now I think there it's, it's increasingly becoming more common, but um, that was the way we would talk about it. Like in response to basically people just being like, Oh, you all look the same. It's like, okay. <laughs> We are related, yeah. Okay. We are related. Yeah, and it was just a culmination of a lot of not not misintention, but like things that I look back now, and it's like, oh, those are those are just kind of these these interesting learning moments that that were specific to me because of the way I look, but I didn't quite know how to respond or know how to talk about it because we weren't really talking about it, or at least where you know where I grew up and, and at that time. Right. And Mara, what about you? When did you really come into your mixedness? Because I'm I'm gonna call you out just a little bit to yeah. say your hair looks gorgeous all the time now, That's and it happens to be curly at this point, right? Yeah, thanks so much, Heidi. That's definitely um a recent development in terms of embracing embracing my curls, uh, and for sure I think you know speaking of just recently and, and what my journey has been um, being you know identifying as being mixed. For me, I grew up um, with my mom and her side of the family in Dutch, Pennsylvania, where I was, as Naomi mentioned, like her father was, the only 
And I was the only, like, person of color in my school district and, you know, one of the very few in the town. Um, and, uh, and it was a very interesting experience where, yeah, so I was identified as, like, the black girl um, because I, you know, had, had melanin in my skin. <laughs> and, um, and it was a very kind of self-guided, I would say, discovery of what does it mean to be mixed. And I remember as a kid I would even kind of play around with people and just, like, ask them questions about, like, how they felt about different races and, um, you know, just kind of trying to test the waters of people around me to see how, um, you know, to, to I, I think to understand, like, how am I supposed to react? Like, what what is the thing that I'm mm. supposed to latch on to? Um, and, I, you know, I can remember as early as, like, three or four, like, flipping my hand over and being like, see, one size white and one size black. <laughs> <laughs> I did that, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's just so funny because you, just, you definitely, any kid craves identity. And um, I think especially growing up, you know, mostly with my mom for the first, uh, t- 10 to 12 years of my life um, and not having that that my father's presence in my life there was that kind of clinging to just like just what is this mixed thing let me kind of figure this out um, and then when I was older uh, when I turned 13 I moved to Georgia to Savannah Georgia and went to a high school that was 80 percent black and um, all of a sudden there were people of color around me who were like <laughs> in my day-to-day life and I you know, met a good chunk of my family. I met my entire black side of my family and um, the transition from like north to south alone probably would have been pretty jarring. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But so it was kind of that on steroids in terms of race and kind of figuring out, um, you know, where, where I was once the black girl and very clearly stood out. Now I was like unidentifiable Puerto Rican, Hawaiian, People just ask you the most random things. And um, I definitely got these, these kind of labels assigned to me in high school because people didn't, didn't know and I didn't necessarily, you know, I'm doing air quotes, but like act a certain way, like act a certain race. Um, so I actually always found myself identifying and, and becoming friends with people that were a little bit middle race, whether they were mixed or um, Asian. Uh, I find that you know, that, that term middle race really comes from just the idea that our country is very black and white and anything in between can be very confusing for people. I actually remember having a gym teacher, I'll never forget, Mr. Kirkpatrick, who was the nicest guy and all the girls loved him because he had great blue eyes. Um, but he, he asked me one day, he was like, okay, so explain to me, like, what is this mix thing? Like, come on, let's, let's be real. Like, you don't have to choose. Yeah, like, I was, like, making up a joke. <laughs> He's like, if you had to choose, if the, you know, if, for example, everybody in this room went to one side, the black people went to the white side, or to, the, to one side and the white people went to the other side, where would you go? And I looked him in his eyes and I said, in the middle. And he couldn't take that. He was so, wow. he was so blown away by that concept. And I think having conversations like that and being identified as this kind of, like, unidentifiable exotic person really made me latch on to my like mixed pride and being proud that you know a place where I grew up that I was you know the black girl and I experienced my own you know highs and lows in terms of racism or embracing my race and then moving to the south where I didn't really have an identity that other people could easily put on me really kind of led me to say like this is just who I am I'm in the middle I'm mixed there, I mean, there's something so powerful about being able to claim all of who you are in a space and 
and feel confident about it. And as you said that story, I was thinking about this recent uh, incident that happened in the Midwest, I want to say, where I think, and I'm going to use air quotes now, a well-meaning teacher uh, rubbed the hair of this young boy and said, well, are you a mutt? And, right, like, that's kind of an in, like, an in-population word that you can use. But the way I understood the way she said it, I think she was trying to say it with affection without having any understanding of the connotations around it. But she just, like, she could not get it. Like, she could not get, oh, he is two different races. So it's created this whole firestorm, and people are posting pictures of themselves saying, I am not a mutt, and... You know, I I get it, but it's so hard to have these conversations, even if people are saying the wrong thing and coming from a well-meaning space. Right. I don't know. I do think, to that point, words words matter so much, Mm -hmm. and they're so hard. They're so complicated because they're not, you know, these made-up things that, you know, we, we reinvent every year. They always have a connotation and a historical connotation often. Um. So, like, when I think about a word like that that would be tr- triggering for me, yeah. and for many people, um, obviously, is, is the N-word. And I wrote my first essay about this in college, about my experience growing up in an all-white community, where when hearing that word, it was obviously very, very painful, very negative. I didn't know how to feel about it. It was very upsetting. And then when I met my dad's side of the family and, you know, would be at that house all the time and hang out with them, it was used, you know, it's used all the time in this kind of very familial, like, yeah. friendly yeah. term. And I know, you know, this isn't new information for anyone, but it's just, for me, it was, like, a very clear um, example of, of how words can really affect you, particularly when you are mixed. And people just don't really know, you know, how to associate a specific word with, like, both. You know, what are you when you're yes. both? And whatever that word, those other words at the extremes are, can still be triggering to you, even if you are only half of that thing. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting too because I think, you know, one thing that we're not good at socially, we we one we, we just don't like we're we're clearly uncomfortable talking about race. It's part of part of a lot of you know macro problems that are happening like at the the mainstream level, right? Versus like just in um, like how do we talk about this as a country? But if we do talk about it, it's a lot of like, you know, categorization, which is, I think, when you are mixed or you are a person of color, it can feel very like, just almost demeaning or limiting. Um, so it's a lot of like, what are you? What's your background? But it, it could so often be, just to your point, Mara, about words, like, tell me about your experience, you know, because then you're giving the power over to someone to say, like, maybe if the teacher had had been able to have that conversation, it would have come up organically that like what's kind of tricky is when you are mixed is how the the different terms that get thrown around that make you feel like you know like an animal sometimes. Um, yes. <laughs> and and like to, you know as one example and it was interesting I just had you know my my mother is white pale freckled skin very clearly from Scottish you know northern UK you know ancestry which is funny if you just put us together. Um, but I just had this, like, really recently powerful conversation with her, and it made me realize, like, how often we're not having this com- these conversations. It's my own mother, and I talk to her about how often I get asked if I speak Japanese and if I've been to Japan, and I haven't, and I really, really want to go to Japan. I, I want to, um, but I haven't yet, and, and I think I'm sensitive about the fact that I signal very visibly that I'm Japanese, but culturally don't have as much of that backing, and so it, it is an insecurity for me, and, and 
she was like, wait, you get asked? And I was like, I get asked that all the time, and it might seem minor, but I'm continually having to tell people that I don't speak Japanese, and a common response is like, oh, that's a shame, you know, or you should really go, (laughs) or like, wait, why haven't you gone? And it's always this, this, like, thing that I feel like I'm missing, and she was like, I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, you know, but my own mother hasn't, you know, and not for lack of caring about me, she, she loves me more than ever, but it just, it, to me, that was so indicative of, like, these conversations that we're not having often enough about the experience versus the categorization. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's so telling, you know, I think about this a lot because I think I had never talked to my mom about these issues until I started doing the work around this festival and this podcast and my novel. And, yeah. you know, how how would I have known how to talk about this with my mom? Because there was no language and there wasn't yeah. a space to do it. So anyway, like, I, I just love that you guys are sharing these stories because the more stories we share, it creates more space for more stories. And this idea of words matter, I think it's a perfect segue to talk about the work that you guys are doing with Shine Text, because I think for me at bottom, the, I, the feeling I get behind it is, if you could just put all of the nice, happy Shine Text words in my brain, instead of like the icky, like <laughs> abysmal, depressing thoughts that my brain wants to repeat over and over to me, my life would be so much better. So um, <laughs> t- tell me a little bit about Shine Text, uh, where the idea came from, and, and what you guys are doing on a daily basis with the work. Absolutely. Um, we get so excited to talk about Shine because, um, you know, as you, as you hinted at, it's really an extension of Naomi and I and Naomi and I's relationship. Um, we met four years ago at work. We worked at do something.org, which is one of the largest pro- uh, nonprofits in the world for young people and volunteering. And Naomi was the chief marketing officer there, and I was um, the director of, of mobile product. And what was really cool is we were both at this period in our lives and our careers where we were just transitioning a lot. So um, at work, we were transitioning from um, you know middle management to more senior management, getting teams under us, getting a lot of responsibility. Um, and, and all the things in life, you know. So we were just really, really able to rely on each other and, you know, just kind of vibe out on very, very tangible, specific ways that we could improve ourselves. So whether that was talking about finances or, um, you know, hey, I'm thinking about going for this, this raise or this, this big promotion, um, what was so great is that Naomi, as almost like a peer mentor, just completely understood who I was and understood, you know, my, my personal life and my work life and could give me hyper-targeted, funny, light, you know, but really actionable advice. And so we found that our friends, while they had that in different mediums, didn't necessarily have that in one place. Um, you know, you could do happy hour after work and, you know, vent and all the things, but if you don't work with that friend, you don't quite know what's going on in their lives. And um, yeah. that's really where the idea started was how could we provide scalable support to people, especially underrepresented groups. Obviously, we care a lot about women and, and especially women of color um, because typically when you think about the issues that we most often struggle with as women and under other represented, underrepresented groups, it's imposter syndrome, feeling like one day you're going to be found out for not being as smart as you, you know, seem to be coming across or uh, just in general, confidence, speaking up in meetings, those kind of things. 
So that was kind of the, the thing we'd talked about for years, like what would it look like to do something like that? And then it kind of just hit us that our expertise as professionals was really actually around scaling out large-scale messaging programs. So do something we focused a lot on text messaging to activate young people. We found it was crazy effective. It had like a 40 times more um, or higher action rate than email or any other mechanism that we use. And so that's really what we built our expertise in and really grew that organization from zero users when we started to 5 million by the time we had left. And so we kind of had this like aha slash duh moment when we were <laughs> working late in the office one night. It's like, wait, why don't we try this thing we know best, which is text messaging, and combine that, that idea with scaling out personalized daily support. And, um, and so, yeah, we launched Shine uh, almost a year ago as a side project. We essentially, you know, put up a, a website and asked like 70 people on our network to try it out for a month. And once we, we found that a month of just kind of like a small prototype was so effective and those people, you know, were saying, wow, like, I don't know how, like, what I did before this. Um, we were like, there's really, there's something here. So um, we spent the next few months just kind of hustling, waking up every morning at like yeah. 6 a.m., meeting before work at 7 um, you know, doing lunch meetings and meeting after work and just kind of figuring out, like, how do we scale this out? And by the time December came, we were like, look, if we really, really want to do this and if this, we want this to be as big as it could be, we have to, we have to give it a go. Um, so we quit our jobs in January. Oh, my so gosh. This is always the thing that people say on this show. Like, I say, well, how did you do it? They said, well, we, we kind of believed, we kind of believed, and then we quit our jobs. So here's the question. <laughs> How did you know it was the right time to quit your job? Because I, I want people to be responsible out there. Uh, no, it's such, a, it's such a good point, Heidi, and it's something that Mar and I talk a lot. I think there's, there's also a lot of privilege that comes with even, like, that statement, right? Like, you know, not everyone is going to be it, – it, it's, a, it's a privileged spot to be in to take a risk like that, and I think it's something that Mar and I care deeply about, and I think sometimes in entrepreneurship there's this, like, mystical, like, and then I left. And yes, and, and also like, with writing, yeah, with writing right, too, right. you know, because I, I did the same thing. I quit my job, but yeah. there were a lot of factors around that that made that totally. possible for me that don't necessarily ex exist for other people. Yeah, totally. I think uh, I think for us, like the relevant factors, and obviously, you know, every situation is going to be different, is one, what what was, what was worse or scarier, right? Like, mm. was it scarier to take a risk? but give Shine and the company and this concept and the service that we knew it was going to provide the full conviction to, to make it be what it was going to be? Um, or was it worse to, to, to never know, you know, to, mm -hmm. to just never know what it could have been? And ultimately, Mar and I felt like it was harder to never know. Um, and it's never like there's, there's, there's one easy and one hard option. It's two hard options, and you figure out which one, which one will you lose a little bit more sleep over long term. Um, and then the second thing is like, you know, you ha you do you have to like you have to walk this very thin line of going all in and making it feel because there is this fire beneath you because you're taking a huge risk and at the same time being reasonable about what you can control because there's going to be so many things that you can't control but you know Mar and I both had conversations with our partners and significant others about like you know this is this is a, a big leap that we're going to take. We um, gave do something three months full uh, three months notice to, to be respectful of their time and also 
you know, giving ourselves that transition period. Um, and we, you know, we basically said, like, we will figure whatever out, like how we need to. If we need to do consulting work on the side or whatever to make it work, we will. Um, and that was to help us get sleep at night, but we didn't want to be plans. <laughs> we didn't want to, we didn't want to think too much about that because we really wanted to, we wanted to raise and we wanted to go after capital and we wanted to feel like this was, this was the time. Well, I mean, it has been the time because you launched a year ago, October 2015, and now you're sending out about 3 million messages a day, a month? So we've exchanged to date over 10 million messages with the Shine community. And yeah, Holy we, smokes! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing. And I think that's what was always like, you know, there's so many things, but I think probably the biggest thing for Mar and I is that this is the time, like, accessible advice around self-care and um, intentional living being this, like, you know, increasingly more common, you know, word that people are talking about or words. <laughs> um, and then um, just just hearing how it was shaping people and how it was, it was improving their day-to-day just felt like, wow, we, we, we actually, like, it's bigger than us. We, we have to do this. Well, can you explain just if you sign up for Shine, what happens next if you sign up to get a Shine text? What do people get? Yeah, if you sign up for Shine, which everyone should, you should go to www.shine.com. Um, essentially what happens is it changes your life. You get <laughs> – so there's that. I'm like, how can I oversell No, you get a daily message every morning that's going to help set you out on the right foot. So every single morning, the formula that we, we really come up with is how can we give users something that is actionable and a very, very specific intention around each day, um, coupled with an affirmation that's not, you know, cheesy, that's not, like, fluffy, but that's just real. Because we often do underestimate our own, like, epicness. You know, we're, we're all doing incredible things, and, you know, whether that's working really, really, really hard at your, you know, full-time job or whether that's like, you know, working hard as a waitress, whatever that is, there's, there's a range of, of situations that, um, you know, of people who need this because truthfully we think everyone needs it, but there's so much self-doubt out there. And, and especially for, um, you know, millennials, there's so many young people who are just, you know, have all these big ambitions and are looking a lot at what their friends are doing and, and what titles they have and how much money they're making. And so they're experiencing burnout more and faster than any other generation. So what we're really excited to do is provide something that, um, that helps people who are ambitious, just kind of elevating that, and then also coping with some of the side effects of, um, of that ambition, which can often lead to, you know, self-doubt or just not necessarily believing in your abilities. So, yes, if you go and you sign up, you'll get a daily text message every morning, and you can interact with that text message for more content. Well, you say interact. I, I want to explain. It, it'll say some wonderfulness that you should try to remember at least for five minutes to keep in your brain from stopping it from saying the mean things it says to you. But then it'll say text M for something else. And I, I can't stop myself from doing it. I mean, I, I, want, I want all the oh, tools. No, and I, I, I find that such like a wonderfully important piece of it that I wanted to make sure we mentioned that you'll get a text message, and then if you want more, M stands for more, right? Uh, you yeah. can have more <laughs> during that day, which is really great. And you get these 
Monday through Friday to kind of get you going in in the daytime. So I, I love getting my shine text every day. Oh, we love you, Heidi. We're, we're really <laughs> excited about um, just that, like just making people happy. It, it really does bring us so much joy. Um, and one well, thing we wanted to yeah. mention, we actually recently just launched our, our second product, um, which is for those people – you know, we have several uh, people who have reached out to us from, from the Shine experience and said, I love this so much. I would also love if I could get something that was more personalized where maybe I'm talking to somebody about the things that I'm struggling with at work or at home. So actually this week we launched a product called Shine Talk that allows you to connect one-on-one with a certified career life coach or therapist who can help give you day-to-day advice and personalized motivational text um, yeah, over text messaging. Wow. This is fantastic, you guys. Um, I I seriously, I said this at the top of the show, like if I could grow up to be like you guys, I, I totally would because oh, you're so you. dynamic and so like so on the ball with what you're doing and, and doing goodness, right? Like that's what's yeah. really exciting that you're doing good stuff and sending positive energy out into the world for people. Thank you so much, Heidi. That means uh, a ton coming from you, considering we want to be you when we grow up. So uh, <laughs> there's no shortage of love here, and uh, it, it means a lot. I think it's always, Mar and I say, you know, that it's, everything moves so fast is, is with most things in life, and it's, it's awesome to just even do stuff like this where you, t- you pause and you, you sit back and you're like, wow, this is, this is such an amazing time, and, um, and we're really proud of what we've built, and we're really proud of and excited about, like, how, how people feel and how people act as a response as a response to it. Well, I mean, you're, you're already doing so much, but I'm wondering, so a year from now, what do you imagine will be happening with Shine or with your, with your own lives? I, I mean, where do you go from here? Things are pretty darn good right now for you guys. Yeah, yeah we're just going to keep coasting, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. It's one we get a lot, which we love because, we get very excited thinking about the future. Um, you know, for us, what, what we are pumped about is Shine becoming, you know, the largest destination for real advice. Um, and, and where that lives and how it wraps around your world um, will be multifaceted. It already is, but um, just, just taking that to the next level. Um, and ultimately, because of that, we're just able to provide the service to, to the biggest audience possible to have the, the biggest impact possible. And and personally, I mean, how do you get to be any happier or how do you make sure that you guys stay sane while this thing grows and grows? Yeah, I think a big part of that is uh, the way we manage our own time and, and self-care uh, because that's, I think, for sure, just such an important thing that, that we think about a lot, especially because as an entrepreneur, you just constantly want to be proving yourself. You constantly yeah. want to be doing more to make your customers happy. And um, everyone, absolutely, while you have that drive, it's still so, so important to take care of yourself. Um, and I think for us, you know, we are very fortunate in that we have um, network, a, a great network mm-hmm. of friends and, and family, including you, Heidi. Um, we really, really rely on our partners who are, are wonderful yeah. men and feminists and just great human beings. Um, <laughs> and and um, I think balance is kind of, um, it's, to me, doesn't quite seem like an achievable term ever yeah. because, because it's always going to be 
a little skewed and it's always going to be hard to know where to, where to focus the right amount of time, but at least striving for a sense of daily well-being the best you can is what we really, really need to make sure we're, we continue to do as we, as we grow the company. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, love you guys. Oh, I just love you guys. We love you. Baby. <laughs> we love you so much. Um, all right. Well, so I, I've taken up a little too much time from you guys today, but what you've shared is just so important. What you're doing is so important. Will you come back in a year and tell us more good stuff? And in the meantime, um, keep telling us good stuff at www.shinetext.com. That's where people should go, right? Yes, that's perfect. And we will absolutely be back in a year. We would, we would love to. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I will talk to you in real life soon. And um, I just, you're spectacular. Congrats. Thank you so much, Heidi. And right back at you. And thank you for outlets like this. Um, you know, this is, this is something that, you know, Mar and I are super passionate about and really just appreciate so much that it exists. So thank you for creating this powerful platform. And everyone thank should go to the Mix Remix Festival. It's incredible. <laughs> thank you for help making it be so. I will talk to you guys again real soon. Take care. Thanks, Heidi. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. They're, like, so dynamic and awesome. You have to meet them in real life, too, I think. I think they should take a, a road show or something like that because they really are fantastic together. And when you're around them, you feel kind of more professional. You sit up straighter. You get kind of excited, like, like shine, like you've got sunbeams coming out of you or something. So anyway, check it out, shinetext.com. Um, one thing we forgot to mention is it's free. It's actually free. You get this text message every day that's like pure happiness and gets you going, and it's, it's free. Go check it out, guys, shinetext.com. Really glad that you could hear their story today. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Heidi DeRome, your host of The Mixed Experience. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, and you have some time, head on over to iTunes and give it a little bitty review. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. And check out the festival website, www.mixedremix.org. We've actually started a brand new uh, thing to kind of keep the festival goodness going throughout the year. We have an online book club, and we have a separate podcast from this that you can call into with your questions or comments about the book. This month we're reading The Book of Dead Birds by Gail Brandeis. We'll be getting together in November. I don't have the date off the top of my head right now, uh, but I think it's uh, mid-November, so you have lots of time to read the book. I'd love to have you on the line to talk about good reading. My name is Heidi DeRoe. This is The Mixed Experience. I'll be back again next week with one of my students who is now a published author who is doing great things with her book. I hope you'll tune in. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.